In recent history, the Steelers have started slow to their seasons. How can they turn that around? We'll talk about that here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by Josh Taylor today. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And we have today with us Josh Taylor, my man from 93.7 The Fan and from KDK TV. You can see him all over the place. Josh, we're glad to have you back, man. How you been? It's good to be back, man. It, it's, it's. I, I, I know I said this last week that I couldn't believe we were two weeks away from training camp. We're like what eight, uh, less than a week now. It's crazy. Less than a it's week, absolutely yeah. insane. And for some reason, I can't do math because I almost said eighteen days. <laughs> but it's we're fun. less, we're less than a week away from training camp. Shows no. you how much I've slept recently. But it, no. it's been, it's been a crazy time to, you know, kind of add everything up and realize. Wait a minute. Not only are we this close to training camp. You're going to be short one preseason game. So we're yep. technically even closer to the start of the season. Yes, so we are. Wrap your mind around that. We'll be we'll be kicking this thing off soon enough. Crazy to think. Now, uh, just a reminder, this show was pre-recorded on Tuesday. We are, I'm on vacation for the rest of the week, all through next Monday. So uh, there will not be uh, – there, there, there. if there's any brand new news, sorry, we're not covering it. But we're looking at some other things here. Uh, one thing that came up that – uh, it's funny. It came up twice this week for me, and Mark Caboli said it on our Wednesday episode, and then a caller talked about it uh, in a call-in to our call-in line. By the way, if you ever want to call into the Locked On Steelers podcast, all you got to do is call 412-223-6644. Leave your name, where you're from, and keep your question under a minute. We'll get you on the show. And if you donate to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation campaign we have going, you can you can guarantee uh, that your uh, your call will be heard on the air. We had a caller call in. Uh, for this one, all the way from North Platte, or for, excuse me, from North Platte, uh, I think it was Nebraska, we had a question in here. Bryce, give me a question. Hey, Chris, this is Bryce Langmeyer from North Platte, Nebraska. My question is, it feels like we get off to a slow start every year as the Steelers. Um, i just wondering, now I'm seeing reports of Kenny not being able to get the full range of the offense. How much truth do you see in that? And do you believe that we'll get off to another slow start? Thanks. Love the show. Bryce, for your call in, we appreciate everyone who uh, who does call into this to the Locked On Steelers podcast. But um, let, let's let's get into this because I think that there's some uh, there's some interesting context into everything. One thing I always like to do is when we talk about you know seasons and everything it's always important to talk about what happened in those seasons that led to what happened what, what what those were like um so first of all josh bryce isn't wrong and because mark caboli brought this up uh last year the steelers were one and three in their in their first four games in 2021 they were one and three in their first four games now 2020 they were four and oh they, they were they were red hot they went all the way to 11 that, that that year but in 2019 they were one and three in those games. 2018, they were one, two, and one because they tied the Browns in the season opener that game. So there has only been one out of the last five years that they've had a winning record in their first four games of the season. But 
I, I look at this and I attribute it to a quite a quite a few things with the context. Now, 2018, that was the year Le'Veon Bell didn't show up, and that definitely threw them for, for a loop. And the offense was very mediocre in, in, in some of the starts of, of, of those games. Uh, you think back to the Browns game with Ben's five turnovers. The the defense was utterly ripped apart by Patrick Mahomes in a game, uh, and then the offense just disappeared against the Ravens early on. Then 2019, that was the year Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. So. That was that was a whole other issue. They went now 2020. They played pretty well. It was when he was back and the offense and defense had a pretty good mix to start the season. But then 2021 Ben's last year, they beat the Bills to start. But then offensive slow starts against the Raiders, the Bengals and the Packers crushed them. And then in 2022, they win the opener again. But they, they get offensive problems with Mitch Trubisky. And then eventually Kenny Pickett gets in the middle of that last game against the Jets where they scored 20 points. But still, Josh. This has this has been a problem. Is this something that you think has become part of a system with the Steelers, or has this been a lot of circumstances that they've dealt with over the past few years? I'll say ninety percent circumstances because there was one thing you left out about uh, last season. That first game that they won against Cincinnati, that's when they also lost T.J. Watt, and he didn't play the next three weeks. And it, it's become very well documented. When this team doesn't have T.J. Watt, things don't go too well. So I'm willing to chalk up 2022 and 2019 as circumstances. Because when you get six quarters of your future Hall of Fame quarterback in four games and you don't see him again the rest of that season, things aren't going to go too well for you. And then right. you lose your best guy in another one in those games or another one of those seasons in the, the first, I think he lose out, what, seven of the first eight games. So that's not going to go too well. And then 2020, they actually did start hot. Probably their hottest start, whatever, in franchise history. There's that thing, too. So mm -hmm. all of that kind of comes in. Now, 2021 was a different story. I think that offense was just – I think we figured out that that was kind of the beginning of the end, that we knew, hey, this wasn't the same guy. Mm -hmm. that we had seen in years past this this wasn't 2010s ben this wasn't you know late two aughts ben he wasn't the same guy he was approaching 40 he was coming off elbow surgery and it's just like okay you're not going to be able to do the same things with this team in order to win games like you did in years past with this quarterback and i think that was kind of the early signs of hey this is not going to be the same as it was before so you look at that, and, and even 2018, and I'm glad you pointed out Le'Veon Bell, especially given all the news that we've heard in the past couple of days with Saquon yes. Barkley and Josh Jacobs. And now granted, Tony Pollard, he's going to be fine. He's still under contract for another year, so he's going to play for Dallas. But, you know, that's another thing, just the whole situation with running backs in general, and Le'Veon Bell was just one of those recent examples of all of that going down. So all of this stuff, it looks like 90% circumstances for this team, but I will say this, because if you want to make it kind of a microcosm situation, first quarters for this team don't always seem to go well. Mm. If you're talking about the early parts of seasons, first quarters don't seem to go well for this team. So that's something you look at and say, okay, that may not all be circumstances. There may be something deeper as far as that particular issue. And for me, I think it's the inability for this offense to really establish a rhythm and establish a balance between the run game and pass game because that becomes a really big dynamic going into this season. I think it's really important, especially with all the work that they've done, you know, to try to rebuild this offensive line or at least augment it and make it a little bit better and a little bit deeper. And they've already mentioned, hey, we're going to be physical. We're going to try to emphasize the run game. And if you're going to try to establish some kind of balance in your offense, 
especially knowing that your run game is going to be something that you emphasize, you have to start the game stronger. You have to start the game developing that presence as quickly as possible. And also, you can't give up any big plays early on defense, too. So a lot of those things go hand in hand. You know, the first quarter becomes very, very important as far as fun, uh, as far as complementary football is concerned, as far as playing fundamentally sound is concerned, because you really do have to set that tone. So if I am looking at slow starts, I might not be looking at slow starts to seasons, I would be looking at slow starts to games because that's something that transcends offensive coordinators. It's something that transcends quarterbacks. We're talking maybe a decade long issue of slow starts in the first quarter for this team. So that's something you definitely need to examine on the Kenny Pickett side of the question. I am not worried about that because we saw just from the second half of the season to the end of the season to what Kenny Pickett's been up to in the off season, the work he's put in being in the facility, going over tape, the workouts he's had with his own private quarterback coach, which which were just posted on Twitter. I think I just saw one today with a couple of videos and some photos of him practicing with his private coach over on the South side. So we know Kenny Pickett is putting the work in to get himself ready. If there's somebody I am worried about as far as what this team could do on offense, Kenny Pickett is not on that list. So that side of it, I don't even entertain. I think he will be fine. He's got a full offseason to get himself prepared to understand everything he needs to understand. I think he will be fine. So if you pair together the rebuilding of the offensive line, the emphasis on the run game, which I've been saying has pretty much been gone for about half a decade now, and then the preparation of Kenny Pickett, which I think will be a lot more a lot more grounded and a lot more concrete going into this season, you'd like to think that that combination of things might help you get rid of the slow first quarter starts. At least you hope it. We'll, we'll, I want to talk more about some of those, some of those starts because I, I think there's, there's context again, looking at uh, some of those games that we're talking about, what happens early in those games and then how they've developed. Uh, because I think there is a trend when it comes to Kenny Pickett, uh, that we saw even in the games that he played very well. And we'll talk about that in a minute here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, he's Josh Taylor. But first, before we do anything else, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at eBay Motors. Now, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast and our and their host, Vinny Iyer, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're preparing for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed fits for your roster. So, with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you'll be guaranteed to have a winning one-two punch with workhorse power in your backfield when taking the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, and Browns, Nick Chubb back-to-back. While Taylor is a perfect rebound candidate in a more run-friendly overall offense in Indianapolis, Chubb is also set up to dominate with more of the combined workload in Cleveland. With eBay guaranteed fit, and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car. Because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs some fixing up. Because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right pieces at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor. Josh, let's let's get back into this slow starts topic here because I think there's also you know some talk about just, you know, when you talked about it's not just slow starts in seasons, but slow starts in games. Now, I also want to point out the Steelers have also, while they have been one in three in the last four, uh, three out of the last four years, they've also been one and oh in three straight in the past three straight seasons, which is kind of crazy when you, when you think about that, because they be, and, mm. and one, no against good teams. They beat, yeah. they beat the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Bengals this past year, they beat the bills, uh, the year, the year, the year before that, uh, the giants, not so much, uh, that year, but still back-to-back really good teams that they've beaten and on the road this year, they get the Niners at home. I want to get Josh's thoughts on the first four teams in a little bit here, but before we do any of that, I mean, Josh, we look at some of the things and, I think back to something that you you were talking about with the offense. I think back to the best games from last season uh, towards the end of the year, even when they were playing well, it was, it was towards the end of the game when Kenny Pickett had gotten a feel for the opponent and he had to have the biggest drive that the offense was clicking the best. Now the defense, they were coming in, they were kicking butt a lot in those, in those, in those games. They they allowed 10 points to the Raiders, 13 to the Ravens and 14 to the Browns. Uh, and 16 to the Panthers, and they only allowed 16 points to the Ravens in a game where the offense had like four turnovers or something like that. Uh, they didn't give up more than 17 points in their last, I believe it was seven games that they had. So, what are your last? That sounds like a familiar number. Like, you don't totally bring that up every time you're on this show or anything like that, yeah, but not at all. Uh, not at all. But the D, de- like, you, I think it's the defense we're talking about here, but I that 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 holds down the fort, but the slow starts mostly comes from the offense that stemmed a little bit during the towards the end of Ben's career of course the year when Ben didn't play and then it definitely happened with Mitch Trubisky last season um but even in games it's something that Kenny Pickett was dealing with there and and I wonder what leads to that problem is it him being a young quarterback and figuring things out but it was also a problem for Ben a lot in a lot of games especially late in his career it's it's so tough because they're they're different quarterbacks and I think they were dealing with different issues. I think Kenny Pickett last season, I think part of it is him being a rookie quarterback, and you know that teams are going to look at you differently. It's it's one thing when you're going into a game in college where where teams have an idea of what you're gonna do, and when you're going into an NFL games where, where game where teams just, just know for the most part what you're gonna do. They already know what your tendencies are. They already know what you're what you're susceptible to, and they're probably placing their entire game plan around what your weaknesses are. So for Kenny Pickett particularly, I think a lot of it was him trying to get a feel for the game and him being a rookie quarterback because there's so much information that you have to process in real time, especially when you're a rookie quarterback. There's different situations you might not have been through yet or certain situations that you're still learning how to get through. Like there was, there were certain things that he was working through as far as, you know, which times to throw the ball away, which times to try to make a play, which times to be aggressive and which times to say, you know what, live to fight another day. And Mm -hmm. he had to work through those, but he got better with those as time went on because you think about the game against the Jets and in the game against the Dolphins, but then you see those last six or seven games of the season where it seems like he could not make a mistake when the ball came out of his hand. Like he knew either to try to get it to a receiver or just get it out of harm's way. He had figured that part out. I I will say it comes back to, and this is something that probably encompasses both quarterbacks. You have to be able to establish what your offense is going to be able to do. And I'm going to keep coming back to this because until the proof becomes otherwise, it's going to be that way for me. And you talked about this. A lot of those games last season, 
things started to click for them because the run game got off to a good start. I keep coming back to the game against the Saints at Hinesville particularly because mm. the run the run game got out to such a strong start in that one. And they started doing a couple things differently. They were running out of the pistol in that game, which caught my attention. And Najee Harris, you could A, that was the healthiest he had looked the entire season because they came off the bye week and you could tell he looked different. But B, he was running north-south. He was finding holes. He was hitting them hard, and he was hitting them with intention. And then as the season went on after that, it just looked like Najee got stronger. Not only did he get stronger as the season went on, but he got stronger as games went on. That game against Carolina sticks out to me. The game against Atlanta where he just looked like he was running angry by the end of that game. You could see that momentum taking place on offense because they had gotten so much more confident run than the football. And even in that game in Baltimore, you saw how they were starting to use that, you know, maybe that that twin, that twin wing offense where they were they were stacking receivers to one side and then having two tight ends with the wing on the other side. And they were using a lot of that jet motion. And Baltimore kept stretching themselves out uh, horizontally, and the Steelers kept finding a way to hit holes vertically, and they were getting good chunks of yardage out of it. But then they were using that jet motion too. There was a play where Jalen Ward snapped off a big run because he was a jet motion guy. There was Mm -hmm. a play that Connor Hayward snapped off of jet motion, closing out the game being the jet motion guy. So you saw how the running game started to actually benefit from it as time went on. So if there's something I'm looking at, particularly if you're Matt Canada, if you're this offense, if you're Kenny Pickett, you want to try to be able to go off the strength of the run game because we already saw the evidence that the run game was starting to progress. So if you can get into that rhythm early, if you can establish that physicality that we talked about last week, if you can start doing that earlier in games and allow Kenny Pickett to have more opportunity to have time back in the pocket because once you start running the ball and running the ball successfully, teams are going to start trying to stop the run. And as a quarterback, now you tell yourself, okay, I got some windows here. I got some space. They're bringing the safety in the box, which means I'm going to have a chance a chance that maybe one-on-one on the outside. Now you start seeing those throws of George Pickens that everybody wants so much of him going down the field. Now you start seeing those opportunities for Deontay Johnson underneath. So if you can get that rhythm going earlier in games and establish that faster, maybe you'll see that turnaround. Maybe you will. But again, I want to emphasize something that I think is also important here. We're talking about the slow starts. This isn't just a Kenny Pickett problem. This I think that you could you could point to recent history for the Steelers. Since 2018, the Steelers have the fewest yards per play in on in the first quarter and the fewest touchdowns in the first quarter in all of the NFL. They average 4.71 yards per play. That is tied with the Jets for dead dead last. They also have had 25 first quarter touchdowns, which is tied with the Washington Commanders for dead last. And this is combined over the last five years. This isn't one just season here or there. It's 2018, 19, 20, 21, and 22 all combined. Which Um, makes it not only a Matt Canada problem, folks. Keep that in mind. I mean, yeah. this, this predates Matt Canada. This is a Randy mm-hmm. Feekner issue, too. This so is a Randy Feekner issue. And, and and maybe this is this, this gets attributed to Tomlin as well. Uh, because be- they they are they are a team uh that the Steelers have been a team that, that has had really successful offensive seasons. And under Todd Haley, I think they were a team that was able to uh to 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 score a little bit. They had preset plays early on. They tied for and here's 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 again where I to go back to. I think that. It emphasizes, and we'll talk more about this after the break. I think it emphasizes just how, how much rebuilding has gone on in Pittsburgh yeah. because in 2017, just alone, the Steelers were tied for ninth when it came to for touchdowns in the first quarter. They had eight in, in just that year. So we're talking about almost a third 
of a, the, of a total of five years since then that they uh, of, of how good they've been at scoring and using offense in the first quarter. Uh, and again, it's not the defense. The defense often comes in and shuts it down early, and they're pretty good er, early on. Uh, the defense gets first quarter touchdowns a lot. Uh, you know what? That's actually funny. I, I, I think it's actually funny. You're not lying. I mean, the, the pick six against Minka Fitzpatrick had to set it off against the Bengals last year was a huge part of why they won that game. The fumble um, so, in the playoff game against Kansas City that they recovered and scored a touchdown on. Yep. That so that that that's that's where I'm at here, Josh. Is that I keep looking at this and I keep thinking, man, like this could be a problem, but who can turn it around? I think part of the problem though is acknowledging this team is it has been in rebuild mode for more than just a year. I think that, you know, as much as 2020 was successful in, in being an 11 and 0, that was still part of the they needed to they, they need to see how much longer Ben Roethlisberger would be with them because their future needed to change as far as who was going to run the offense and what was going to be the emphasis moving forward. I want to talk more about that topic on this on the other end of this break here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor of 93.7 The Fan and KDK TV. Josh, continuing our point here about starting slow, not just in seasons, but in games uh, with the low low scoring as far as the touchdowns, I I think it goes, we're talking about, you know, what I was alluding to was the point about, you know, the Steelers being in a rebuild mode for quite, for, you know, for longer than people wanted to admit um, not just Ben Roethlisberger, but also that offensive line that just aged out at the end, the end of the 2010s. And then we saw like really the last year that they were even together was 2020. Um, and fast. They had and, and fast. I, I mean, Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro were pro bowl players. And then all of a sudden they were both gone. And Oof. that was, that was, and like, that was something that, you know, I, I know from just firsthand knowledge that, uh, or secondhand, well, no, firsthand knowledge because I got it from someone there. But I know from firsthand knowledge that was unexpected. They were hoping to have those guys be part of the new era that could carry over just the the banner of this is what it means to play Steelers offense. And Marquise Pouncey was just too hurt up for his age, and he couldn't he couldn't really do it anymore. And they realized like, yeah, he's letting. But then David DeCastro suffered an injury that he never could recover from, and he was done in the NFL. So you lost two first round picks on top of Ben Roethlisberger after just already losing Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell to other premier players and not to mention your defense lost Ryan Chazier you know years before that and Stephon Tuitt ended up retiring there was an exodus of talent the Steelers had to deal with and on both sides of the ball uh, but especially on offense and I think that that gets overlooked in some of the offensive struggles that we're talking about here over the past five years and especially over the past couple years yeah, let's let's stick with the offensive line because you talk about Marquise Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro being gone, but there was also Ramon Foster and Alejandro Villanueva. They were gone mm-hmm. too. Like that that yeah. whole, I mean, everybody pretty much except for Chooks gone, and Marcus Gilbert had left before those guys did. So that whole group pretty much turned over in what all of two years. It didn't yep. take very long at all to see an entirely different group on the offensive line. So now you're Ben Roethlisberger. You're looking at this offensive line going. Wait a minute, these aren't my guys. I, I had my guys previously. Me, you know, we did a lot more with this group, and now all of a sudden you don't have your guys around you anymore, whether it's on the offensive line or at the skill positions. Uh, that's that's Le'Veon Bell, that's Antonio Brown, that's Heath Miller at being pretty much your your old reliable at tight end. He was gone too. So this entire group completely turns over 
in a matter of less than half a decade. It wasn't like there were just one guy leaving here and one guy leaving there. No, we're talking about a two, three-year period where all names and faces have completely changed. And that's something that we didn't, I don't think we, not only did we not anticipate it, I don't think we really understood how big of a transition that would be. Because you, when you're used to seeing something for so long, you say, oh, okay, you know, you just kind of make adjustments and you keep on trucking because that's how this organization's always been. It's always been next man up. Well, that transition didn't look as smooth as the other ones had been. And then it really started to come to a head. Like you mentioned, 2021, I thought was when it really came to a head because now you're realizing, hey, wait a minute, this is not, it's not the same group in front of the quarterback. It's also not the same quarterback. So now you're trying to figure out not only how to make those adjustments without the same guys. And then, oh, wait, you got the guys coming in behind them that are either rookies, second or third year players, or in Deontay Johnson's case, you know, the, the year he really came of age was really the COVID season. So how much do you really put stock into how much he was really able to develop there? Or I should say the 2019 season before the COVID year. So he had the 2019 season without Ben Roethlisberger. Then he had the 2020 season after that. You're looking at going, how does all of this really add up as far as how a team develops? So, yeah, I, it comes back to what I said in the first segment, talking about 90% circumstances. That's something that all adds up here. But now you turn the page. Yep. And you realize, wait a minute, now you got Deontay Johnson with a little bit more time under his belt. You got a, you got a third-year running back. You got a third-year tight end. You got a second-year receiver who's going to be really dangerous. You got arguably, I'd say, the best tackle in that draft that came out in, in Broder Jones, who saw the best pass rushing competition in the country for his entire three years down in Athens. You got that guy. You bring in a guard off of one of the best offensive lines in football all of last season, and he played every game playoffs, regular season, and Super Bowl included for that unit in Isaac Sayomalu. Now you got an entirely different group, but not only are they better as far as talent, they're also experienced as well. So that changes the entire dynamic as far as how you're going to expect, or should say what you're going to expect this offense to do in, in, in opposed to, or as opposed to what we've seen in the past couple seasons. I want to get to a question that isn't directly about this, but I think kind of alludes to the point. We'll get to that here. But this was a question called by one of our listeners, Dylan in Toronto. We got a Canadian call here. Uh, Dylan in Toronto, Toronto, Nebraska. I love it. I love how right? we just span the globe. This is fantastic. We had we. we I'll tell. I'll give you all a sneak peek. We got one from Honduras coming on our Friday episode. So what? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Steelers fans are everywhere, man. But here's global, Dylan. Dude. Here's it. Dylan from Toronto. It's gonna sound crazy. Hear him out, because I have a point in how we're going to answer this question. Hey, Chris. Dylan here from Toronto. Uh, I have a little hypothetical for you, a little fun one. So me and my uh, – in Toronto, there's not many Steelers fans. So I got a few friends who like football, but different teams, Ravens, Browns, whatever, and I was talking to them. And they said to me, what do you think TJ Watt is worth on the trade market? I think he's completely untouchable. I think someone sends us – someone goes, we'll give you – two ones for him, I don't even think they take it. I think he's that important, and I think last year showed that. My friends are like, no way, he's a 30-year-old outside linebacker. Two or three first is getting the job done. I, I I don't think there's anything besides Patrick Mahomes that would take that guy away from you. Maybe, maybe Trevor Lawrence. All right, Chris, thanks. Thank you, Dylan, for your question. Remember, you guys can call in at 412-223-6644. Uh, but... I, I want to address this question. First of all, tell your friends to stay out the drugs <laughs> because if the Steelers were to ever trade TJ Watt for first round picks, 
it, I'm gonna I'm gonna channel LeBron James. It would take not one, not two, <laughs> not three, not four, not five. Like I, 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 what, like what are we talking about here? They, they're never giving them up. And part of this, and Josh, you and I were talking about this before the show when I was telling you that this question. And Dylan, you're not crazy for asking that question. I'm, you're cra- you're you're smart for telling your friends that they're crazy for for bringing that to yes. you. Yes, but there's that. my point here is that TJ Watt is that perennial pillar player that is just too talented to let go of. And we've been talking about the rebuild, what the Steelers have been through, because they've had to fix things on defense. They've had to fix things on offense. But when he plays, and I've talked about this before on the show, when he plays, they win 69% of the time when he is on the field. They win less than 1% of the or 10%, excuse me, less than 10% of the time when he's not on the field. And so that is where I'm at is that like when he has been able to prop them up, when one when, when amazingly great player, it's another reason also why he's the best defensive player in the NFL, not Miles yes. Garrett, not, not, yes. not, not any of those guys. That's not how Bosa. important And I like is. Nick Bosa. But he's, I like he's Nick Bosa. He, bigger he, impact than Nick Bosa. Exactly. You can take those guys off those teams, their winning percentage doesn't drop. But I think it's also indicative of how the Steelers – have been the last few years. The, the Niners, they've been in a prime. They've had they've had a lot of their key players in the prime of their careers. Loaded. They've been in, in, in a spot there. Um, you know, when we when we talk about some of these guys, you know, the Browns, I mean, they also they're the Browns. They don't really they don't really count. But when you think of Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes has been able to do that part of his career with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, with all these other key players who were in the prime of primes of their their careers. The Steelers haven't had that much of an opportunity to do that. They've had TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, but it's been yeah they have you know their quarterback situation has been murky their offense has fallen apart due to age and other uh, and other issues and to me that is indicative of just where they've actually been people talking about why haven't the Steelers been more successful in the postseason the last four, you know four or five years well you know what maybe because they shouldn't have been they shouldn't have been as good as they were record wise they've been playing above the bar for the past several years and I think that that's where I think people need to start realizing or maybe have started to realize that the Steelers. They're more of an overperforming roster, but now, and again, this is why I think there's real confidence about this year, Josh. Now, if they overperform their roster right now, PFF, PFF, who never gives the Steelers credit for anything, ranked them as the 12th best roster in the NFL. So if they overperform and they really are the 12th best roster in the NFL, they're not just a playoff team. They're getting playoff wins this year. And I say wins with an S on it. If the, And that's, again, that's if injuries don't don't get in their way and all these other things but if they do overachieve this year as far as their talent wise i think it takes them a lot farther than anyone suspects hey dylan by the way tell your friends tj watts only 28 remind them of that part too that's another thing that's crazy he has what almost 80 sacks and he's 28 like do with that whatever you will that's one thing set that to the side because that's already insane there's so much i could like continue to stack on top of everything you've brought up here. So I'll, I'll, I'll augment it with this. And you talked about TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. And and this is one of those things where you, so where you, you kind of come back and you ask yourself, how did 2019 happen? Because that 2019 season, you had six quarters, question, man. six quarters of Ben Roethlisberger, six. And then you played 14 games without the, out him and you won eight of them. Mm-hmm. Eight and six without him. Eight and six without him in that season. Now, there's something else that happened 
right after Ben Roethlisberger's injury. And I, I've been saying this, Chris, for you've been hearing me say this for a few years now. Week two of the 2019 season was a huge line of demarcation in the recent history of this franchise, because not only did they lose Ben Roethlisberger in what became a wasted season, which could have had a lot of potential for them. It also opened the door for them to trade for Micah Fitzpatrick during that same week. He shows up week three and they almost beat San Francisco on the road. If they Mm -hmm. did turn the ball over what, four or five times. Cause I want to say make had a couple of, uh, of turnovers in that game. I think TJ Watt had to take away in that game. If the Steelers don't turn the ball over, keep giving it back to San Francisco. They walk out of that one with a win because Micah Fitzpatrick showed up and from the door, he was just making plays on the ball. So all of that, when you, when you talk about the impact of just those three guys on defense, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Micah Fitzpatrick, we could talk about each of them individually, but the three of them together and what they've been able to do with this defense and make it as good as it's been and be able to do what they've done, considering all that turnover and transition and rebuilding we've been talking about. All of that does not happen without TJ Watt being one of the centerpieces of that group. None of it happens. And we're talking about a guy who's doing this. And this is something I like to remind people. When T.J. Watt got drafted by this team, he was entering his second year playing linebacker. Mm-hmm. He had only been playing linebacker at Wisconsin for a year before he got drafted as a first-rounder and started the beginning, the first five or six years of what's on pace to be a Hall of Fame career. So you take all of that and remind yourself, hey, he's doing this in a situation that's not ideal for a player to have this kind of early start to his career. And you take all that, and I agree with Dylan. I don't know if you can put together a really good value for TJ Watt. This is one of those things where, you know, you might take the phone call just so you understand what his value might be on the open market. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to make a move, but Siri's telling me she doesn't understand. I don't understand. (laughs) But for me, and if this is me talking, if I'm Omar Khan and I'm not taking this phone call, but if I were to listen you better come with multiple picks and you probably need to come with multiple bodies because it's going to take players and draft picks to replace the value of what TJ Watt brings to this team. I- I've never heard of a player where his team wins 69% of the games that he plays in and 9% of the games that he doesn't. I've never heard that before. Not only have I ever heard that stat, just that gap in between that 60% disparity in between. I don't think I've heard of that either. There's quarterbacks that you can't find that disparity for, including the one that just retired from this franchise. Even that disparity isn't there. But you can't bring that part up because some people get mad. But that tells you, that tells you just how much he's done in a very short period of time. And I'm, I'm going to say this again. He hasn't even turned 29 yet. That That's mm-hmm. what's scary about what he's done so far. And he missed seven games last season. Just imagine if he played more than 10 games last year. Just imagine how much more he could have done to make those career numbers look better. I guess I'll add all that up and say this. It's hard to find a player, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that is worth that much in today's game. In a game where everyone talks about, oh, it's a passing league and quarterbacks are so valuable, things like that. Well, we could find one guy who wasn't a quarterback who's changed his his franchise's fortunes more than one time. Matter of fact, quite frequently in a very, very short span. And his name is T.J. Watt. I hear you. Uh, TJ Watt has been that guy. That's why he wouldn't be traded. So Dylan, tell your friends they're crazy. They are crazy. See, you brought up LeBron. You thought of other things. Stephen A. Smith came in, came to my mind. Stay off 
The weed. The weed. Because <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I, I got Stephen A. Smith thing ringing in my ears when I hear about Indeed. the, the uh, trade and TJ Watt. Indeed here. That's our show here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. He's Josh Taylor. Josh, let people to find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Social media, Josh Taylor HD. I'm pretty sure you can see it at the bottom of the screen. That is Twitter. That is Facebook. That is Instagram. That is Threads. That is pretty much anywhere I'm on social media. Also, uh, cbspittsburgh.com, kdka.com, 937thefan.com. You can listen to 937thefan on the Odyssey app, just like you can listen to the Locked on Steelers podcast. Got to throw that out there. So uh, after you're done listening to the show, go check me out on the fan. You can do that too. Absolutely. Thanks again, Josh, for being on the show. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And find me here on the Locked On Steelers podcast Monday through Friday, breaking things down on your Pittsburgh Steelers. We got a Friday. Jenna Hunter's back on the show. We'll break that down. Just giving y'all a heads up. Again, all, all these pat these shows are pre-recorded. We might have to take a day off on Monday just because I'm still, I'll still be on vacation. But we will see. I will try to get you guys a Monday episode. We'll see what happens there. You've earned the day. Take the day. You earned it. You know what? I think Josh has convinced me. I'm taking off Monday. You'll see me back on Tuesday because training camp does, does, does players report due on Wednesday. We'll get a lot of things here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon right here. 